O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you form my inward parts. You've covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you, when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they all were written. The day is fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Father, thank you for that reminder. That before anybody knew us, anybody held us, anybody planned us, before anybody longed for us, God, you did. Lord, we can look around this sanctuary this morning, we can look around this world and see that every person is a special gift from you. From those at the very conception of life to those at the very end. Every life is important because you formed them. You made them. You wove them. You skillfully wrought them. Father, I pray this morning as we are immersed in a culture of death, Father, I pray you would do a work in each of our hearts this morning, renewing our commitment to life as defined by your word. Lord, we would be a voice for the voiceless, that we would bend our knees in prayer regularly, praying, Lord, for our world to see what we see so clearly. Father, help us this morning to rise to that great challenge. And help us also this morning to look at our own life as a special vessel created and formed by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> Before. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 1, please. Jeremiah chapter 1. The very beginning of the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet, of course, called by God. He spoke. Most of his prophecies were aimed at Judah, he had a really tough life. 
had a very difficult call. He, for 40 years, delivered messages that very few, if any, really wanted to hear. They were not eager um, to listen to the message, and what Jeremiah was telling them basically can be summed up in that if you do not repent of your sin, you're going to be doomed. And that message was not popular. It wasn't one that resonated with the people. They didn't want to hear it. They wanted to disregard the message. And if they couldn't disregard the message, maybe they could do away with the messenger. Jeremiah is also known as the weeping prophet. Uh, oftentimes spent his, spent his days in prisons and dungeons and, and every type of, of, of imaginable um, assaults were done to Jeremiah to keep him from proclaiming this message. And here in the first chapter, we see something that I believe God strategically placed in Jeremiah's life, a truth that every one of us can claim this morning. When we read these words, we can know that these words were not just intended for Jeremiah, but we can extrapolate that out to really every person and know that the same reason why God would communicate that to Jeremiah would be the same reason He would want us to know. That He formed us and created us and loves us. <coughs> when, I'm, when I was looking over this and preparing um, for this Sunday, I was just thinking, man, God, you know, I try to, when I'm all done with my preparation and I'm looking back over my notes, I like to be able to think, you know, what does this do? What am I getting out of this? And, and I just want to share this with you, is that you may not see this the same way as I do this morning. Um, you may not get the same thing out of it, but I just want to tell you, I sat back and, and just pushed myself away from my desk for a minute and just really contemplated and tried not to, to wrap my mind as much as I could around that verse, but I allowed that verse to really grab a hold of me. And I tried to think about what God tells Jeremiah, and I realized something. I, as a pastor, am talking to you about a God who wants a relationship with you through His Son, Jesus Christ, because He wants to spend eternity with you in heaven. And many of you hear me say that God loves you. And sometimes we struggle with that idea that God loves us because we may look at our lives sometimes and think, God, I'm, I'm unlovable. God, all I have is this big, long list of failures to present to you. You may not have felt loved by your parents or your friends or your workplace or your boss or anything. And you hear me say God loves you and you really struggle with that. But I just want to tell you this morning that God doesn't just love you right now. What was so evident to me in reading and rereading this scripture that I'm about to share with you is that God loved you before anybody else did or could love you. He loved you before you were you. That is awesome. From eternity past, God loved you and wants to love you through eternity future. Let's not just look at the tail end. Let's look at what happened before. I hope this morning that this helps reveal a deeper love than we've ever known. I hope it helps us answer the question, why is life valuable? And I hope this morning it, under, it, it, it expands our understanding of the depth of God's relationship to us. Look at chapter 1 of Jeremiah, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah says. This is what God said. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born... I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Let me read that one more time. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you 
a prophet to the nations. Wow. Wow. No, no wonder Jeremiah says in verse 6, Oh, Lord God, I cannot speak for I'm a youth. I don't just believe that he was saying his youth was the reason he couldn't speak. I would imagine that Jeremiah was probably awestruck with what God had just told him. Because we get in our mind that idea that God really started his knowledge of me, started when I was born. And here, God pulls back the curtains and says, Jeremiah, I knew you, I loved you, I formed you, I knew all of that before you ever took a breath, before you were ever conceived. So what God is doing is really backing up, if you think about it, the timeline of his relationship and of his knowledge of Jeremiah and us. And I want you to look at these four action words that we find in Jeremiah chapter 1. I want you to think about these for just one minute and let these words really penetrate and set on your heart and, and allow them to really get into your heart so that we can really, to the best of our ability, understand how much this great God passionately loves us and pursues us. Notice what he said, the first one. He said, before I formed you in the womb. <coughs> before I formed you in the womb. What an awesome thing. You know, we look around and we see every one of us are different. We look different. We're the different height. We think differently. We maneuver differently. We have different personalities. Sometimes I'm, I'm absolutely amazed at how I can have two boys raised in the same environment and the same gene pool and still come out two totally different kids. I've got one child that will uh, want to try to, to debate something away from you. And the other one will simply try to beat it out of your hands. It's, it is remarkable to me how two kids, seriously, raised in that same environment, raised in that same, from that same gene pool, could be so incredibly different. And it reminds me, you know what, God? They're different because you formed them that way. You made them each individual. Each strand of DNA is individual and unique, has never existed before, and will never exist again. What an amazing, incredible God we serve that there is no limit to His ability to create. There is no limit on His ability to, to, to develop diverse, unique individual people of which we are a small 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 representative i love and i wanted to read to you this morning what david said in psalm 139 i want you to remember those words that he used the specific words the beautiful words that david used to describe how god put him together he used this word formed in my mind when i hear the word formed i get the idea of a potter in the clay at least that's what pops up in between my eyes I get this idea, much like Jeremiah prophesied, of this potter in the clay molding and forming and making. The potter knows exactly what he wants that vessel to look like. And he works hard. He pushes the clay down to get all of the bubbles out, to get all of the air pockets out. And then he begins to wet it down and form it with his own hands. And, and what I love so much about that idea, what I love so much about David saying, God, you formed me, and how Jeremiah even speaks of the nation and individuals as being formed as a potter does the clay is that a potter doesn't need some type of a utensil in order to do his work he does it with his hands what an intimate picture we have of god from knowing exactly who he wants us to be forming us and creating us using his own hands nothing coming between he and i but flesh god putting us together 
he used the word wove. Speaks of the intricacy. How God would make our parts overlap and, and, and form and tie together and, and bond together and put us together, not just lumping pieces of coal of clay together, but to take the intricacy and the detail to be able to form us just the way He wants us, to weave us together. He also says, you made me. Made us from nothing. Made us from nothing. And how you skillfully wrought me. How you skillfully worked me. You see, some people may go through life looking at themselves as a lump of clay. But David looked at himself as a vessel made by the master craftsman, God. He understood that even though he may be different than other people, he had value because he was valuable to God and made with such delicacy and intricacy and attention given by that master potter, God. I want you to see this today. I know for our background slide, it may be a little hard to see, but it, it's, a, it's a picture of a preborn child. And, and on that, thank you, and, and on that, we just get that reminder, you know what? I was formed. You were formed, put together by the craftsman God. Think about the second thing, the second action word. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you, before I ever started to work to make you the person I wanted you to be, I designed you to be, before I ever did any of that, God says, I knew you. He is speaking in the perfect tense, saying, I knew you. Nothing about you needed to be added to me that I didn't already know. What God is saying is everything about you was already up here before I ever went to work on you. Now think about that for a minute. Before you were conceived, God knew you personally, perfectly, intimately. He knew everything about you. You know what is awesome to me? <coughs> I knew, you know, as I was growing up, I knew that my future was probably going to be one of, of, of Mary. I was probably going to get married. At least I hoped if, if some poor soul would have me. And she did. <laughs> yeah. Amen. I, I know you guys love her more than you love me, and I'm okay with that. But I also hoped, even though I didn't know that I was going to get married, I wanted to get married, and I had an idea of what, 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 I, what I thought my wife would be, who she would be, what she would look like, and I'm glad to say that my wife has exceeded all those expectations I had. But beyond that, and that, that was, that's real. I'm not just saying that to suck up. I'm, I'm being serious. But beyond that, you know, I always thought, you know what, maybe God will allow us to have children. Maybe one day I'll get to be a dad, you know? Maybe one day I'll, I'll get to, to hold him and, or her and, and change diapers. And, and maybe one day, you, you know how it works. You, you think of what they're going to be and all the stuff you're going to do with them and, and all that. And you do kind of glance over and you don't always think about the diapers at the time. I understand that. But you start thinking, you know what, I'm going to love. And you know, I look at my sons now and my daughter. And I look at him and I think, man, I love you. And, I, and Bree, when she comes home from work, we're always sharing. Or when I come home, we're always sharing stories about what our kids did. You know, what they did that day or what they didn't do and how they impressed us or how they did something so cute. And we love them, honestly, because they're ours and because we know them. 
But think about God. God loved you before anybody else knew you. He loved you. He loved you before you ever sinned. He loved you before you ever left the womb. Why? Because he knew you. If God's knowledge of us is perfect, he knew your failures. He knew your rebellion. He knew you were going like sheep. You were going to go astray every man to his own way. He knew there was going to be a time where sin was going to grab you and you were going to be separated from Him. He knew that. He knew all that was on your list and more of all of the failures in your life, and yet, in His knowledge, He still loved you. He formed you. He made you. And the Bible says He knew you. What an awesome thing to consider. God, you know me. Notice the third action word. Before you were born, I sanctified you. He's telling Jeremiah, Jeremiah, you didn't know this, but I had a plan for your life before you knew it. And that word sanctified means to be set apart. God says, I set you apart. Why do you set something apart? Because it's special. God's telling Jeremiah, buddy, you can never escape me. I formed you. I made you who you are. I knit you together. I wove you. I skillfully wrought you while you were in the lowest parts of the earth. And then he says, I knew you. And beyond that, Jeremiah, beyond knowing you, I sanctified you. I set you apart for a special purpose. You see, life is not just special. Just because God created us and formed us. Not just because God loves us, every one of us. Life is not just special because God says it is. If you think about it, our life is special because God has a purpose for us. Think about that for a minute. Every one of us. God has a purpose. Do you know that there are times in scriptures that God has used various vessels to accomplish his purpose? Right now in Sprouts, the kids are learning that God used a donkey for his purpose. Balaam was called on to go curse God's people. Balaam said, well, let me pray. And and he ended up going with the people to, to ultimately try to curse God's people. And as he was going riding the donkey, the Bible says that he was going and the donkey saw up ahead that there was a messenger of God with his sword drawn. The Balaam didn't see it, but the donkey did. And Balaam got angry with the donkey because it wouldn't continue down the path. And after the third time, Balaam beat the donkey. The donkey turned around to Balaam and said, why are you hitting me? To which Balaam had a conversation with the talking donkey. God used a donkey to accomplish his purpose. In the life of Jonah. Jonah going the wrong way. God called him to go to Nineveh. He went the other way to Tarshish. What happens? He ends up on a ship. A storm comes. God used the elements of weather in order to get get Jonah exactly where he wanted. And then what does he do? He gets Jonah out of the boat into the water where he's swallowed up by a whale that was used as an instrument to bring Jonah to the place where he was changing his life. 
God used something that has the brain size of a walnut to accomplish His purpose. Now, even though God can use animals and weather, even though God can use the beauty of creation, the most amazing vessel that He has chosen to use for His purpose and for His glory is you and I. No other group has been set apart for the purpose of being saved by Jesus Christ. Given the opportunity to know Him personally through faith. And then live a life of loyalty, yieldedness to the One who just saved us. That we have And that purpose is for the God of all creation. To make Him known, to promote the love and gospel of His Son, Jesus Christ. Notice, God did not just form Him and know Him and sanctify Him. But He says, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now that appears to be rather specific for Jeremiah. That was his calling that was his set apart that was God saying this is my plan for you but you know what I think about I know God has a special plan for each one of us you might say and some of us struggle trying to find out what God's plan is ultimately God's first plan for you anybody in the world God's first plan for you is that you would come to accept his son Jesus as savior the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. That's what God's word says. Ephesians chapter 1 opens up with this idea that before the foundation of the world, God chose us in Himself. God's first plan, first step for each one of us, His first purpose is that we may come to a saving relationship with His Son Jesus. He formed us. He knew us. He sanctified us. And He ordained us. Now church, think about all four of those words for a moment. Because you know, it's easy for us to look this morning and and to see that, that image up there, an image that is so familiar to many of us. To see that image of the preborn child and to see their innocence there. And it's really easy for us in here to say amen to the fact that we need to be voices for protecting life in a culture of death. To be able to say that that life is just as important and just as valuable and just as special to every, to, uh, as it is to all others. But you know what? It's not just the preborn whose life is important. It's those who are about to breathe their last. It's the ill, infirmed. It's those whose last chapter in their book is about to be written. You know what? They still have life from conception to natural death. Life is valuable. And let me tell you something. Sometimes it's easy, church, for us to appeal the cause of the preborn child while neglecting the homeless. Or neglecting the addict. Or neglecting others that have issues in their life. 
But let me remind you of something. That person was just as much formed as that person. That person was just as much known by God as that one. That person was just as much set apart and special as that person. That person has just as much of a plan from God as that one. Maybe the sanctity of human life for us is not just about that image of the baby, though important, though innocent, though they don't have a voice indeed. You know, some of you may look around and you may see someone who fit that scenario that I thought about, the addict or the homeless, and you may, in your mind, justify not engaging, not not befriending, not, not sharing love and words of encouragement from God's Word. You may justify it by saying they got themselves in that position, maybe. I don't know, some do. You may say, well, that baby in the womb is innocent. That person has made bad decisions. You know what? Does God look at us like that? Does God view us like that? Does God say, you got yourself into sin, so you get yourself out? Did His love for me or you stop the moment we turned against Him? Did His love for you and I stop the moment we went astray? No. No. He formed us. He knew us. He sanctified us. He ordained us. When? Before we were. Friends, those of you that have trusted Christ as your Savior, you can say in your heart, God, thank you. The world may not see my value. You may not see your value. But you can say to God in your heart, thank you. Thank you for knowing me and forming me. Thank you for telling me through your word that I am special. Thank you for giving me a plan and a purpose. For those of you that don't know Christ, I've never met the Son of God. Let me tell you, the only way you're going to find God's purpose for you is to meet the one who created you and to form you. The Bible says that sin has separated us from God. We've all sinned and gone astray. Every one of us, even our good deeds, are as filthy rags. The Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. When you and I stand before God, we are not going to be held accountable for how my, I'm not going to be judged by how my life matched up to another person. I can look out and say, well, I might be better or worse than that person, but that's not how God judges. We are compared to the standard of complete holiness, which is His Son, Jesus Christ. When I stand before God, I can be covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. I can come to God and say, God, you see me as righteous because your perfect son, your perfect son took all of my sins on the cross. And today, friend, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, if you don't know where you will stand for all eternity, you can know today. Would you be willing to say in your heart, if you mean it, God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I've I've messed up. I am not holy. But God, today I know that your son is. Lived 33 and a half years on this earth. 
and never once sinned. And He sacrificed Himself in my place. He took my penalty, my punishment. And today, God, I ask Your Son Jesus to forgive me for my sins against Him. And I ask Him to save me. And the Bible says, they that call upon the name of the Lord will never be ashamed. Today, today, will you come and receive the Savior who knit you, formed you, set you apart, and ordained you? Christian, today, will you seek God and say, what is your plan for my life? What is your next step? What do you have for me? God's never had a hard time showing us what He wants. The problem has always been in us doing what we know God wants us to do. Today, will you do that? Today, will you make a commitment to value all life? Preborn, living, struggling, those nearing the end of their life. Father, I thank You for the reminder in Your Word of just how special we are to You. And I know, Lord, there are, I'm sure, some who struggle with being able to see their value. Lord, some find, try to find, ascribe value to themselves through accomplishments. Lord, through their possessions, through titles, through relationships. But God, we are valuable. Because you tell us we are. We are valuable because you breathe into our nostrils the breath of life and we became a living soul. You sent your son not to die for goats or, or whales or donkeys. You sent your son to die for that which has the heart of your love, which is us as creation. Before the foundation of the world, you put into place your plan to redeem us. You sought to save us before we ever were lost. That's how much You love us. Father, help us be able to praise You with true hearts this morning. Those that have made that decision, I pray they would come forward. Those that trusted You. And share with the congregation, today is the day I start my journey with Jesus. Father, if any of us need to rededicate our lives because we have lost sight of the value of human life, I pray that You would work in our heart this morning. If there's a person who needs to join this church, Father, someone who needs to be baptized, I pray that you would impress that upon their hearts so clearly that there would be no mistaking it's from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.